So here's my theory. Adam Judd came up with this awesome idea. Three filmmakers get together and talk about are different theories that are about film, storytelling, uh, writing. The reason why I wanted to do this is because Adam Judd and Ramesh are two of the guys that I learned from the most. Ramesh, do you want to introduce yourself really briefly? Sure. Uh, my name is Ramesh Iyer. I am a commercial director, so I've directed a lot of commercials, uh, experience in that world. Um, and uh yeah and i love cinema as you can see from my wall behind me uh and um this is great and i'm glad i can be part of this and talk about these theoretical ideas and hopefully we will chit chat and have some fun too absolutely now, my name is adam uh judd and uh, i've known adam for a long time so we talk about art and culture and film a lot so Adam is very modest. He's an independent film writer and director and watching Adam Judd and Ramesh go together. Like, <laughs> like they're just, it's, I just love sitting and listening to them. So this is for me, it's a treat. And I, I know it's going to be a treat for you guys too. So um, Adam and I are like the Riggs and Murtaugh. <laughs> of cinema. It's the shit assignment. Shut up the both. Of you. So each episode, uh, one of us will come up with a theory and uh, basically, they're going to present the theory, and then we're just kind of going to discuss it and test it and uh, kind of probe it to see if it's if it holds water. Um, but today, we have a very specific theory that Adam Judd came up with, which is, what do we think cinematic means? But before we dive into each of our opinions, I kind of wanted to get an idea of like uh, what the conventional idea of cinematic means. Um, so I wrote down a few different uh, quotes and a few different quick um, lists that people have gathered. When you look up what does it mean to be cinematic, these are some of the results. Okay, first, most obvious one is Webster uh, Dictionary. It says, of, relating to, suggestive of, or suitable for motion picture or filming of motion pictures, cinematic principles and techniques. Okay, so filmmaking. That's real specific. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, another one, uh, a collection of cinematic elements, which are color grading, slow motion, drone shots, smooth camera movements on a gimbal, anamorphic frame, and most importantly, shallow depth of field. <laughs> so if it has one of those things, then it's cinematic. Okay. Uh, and then uh, okay. this one, I'm not going to name too many names because you know we're, we're going to be rebutting it and they're not here to defend their position so i'll just kind of say the idea but uh here's here's one possessing a quality that comes from effectively using the tools of cinema to tell a story or express an idea in a way that would not be possible in any other medium interesting uh, here's another one the look of 35 millimeter film as opposed to video or digital cameras so if it looks like it's on film, then it's cinematic. If it's digital or video, then it's not cinematic, according to that. Uh, here's another one. Motion pictures that look like they belong in the cinema or a movie theater screen. So if it looks like it should be on screen, then it's cinematic. That's the definition. Uh, film not intended for television. So anything shot for television, non-cinematic, according to this theory. Uh, so that's kind of the conventional idea, like shallow depth of right. fields, uh, nice lighting, um, nice camera movements. 
Um, what some people might call formalism uh, or mise-en-scene uh, is when it creates cinematic. Um, so that's kind of the conventional idea. Uh, Ramesh, what, what's your response to that? And why don't, why don't you tell us what cinematic is to you? First of all, that's a very simple question with a very complex answer. Yeah. And it's also a very individual answer. And here's my point is I had to think when you asked that question, I had to think for a while and, you know, after a while and thinking of the movies I like and everything, I came up with my own theory of what cinematic is. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting after I was pretty, you know, we'll say pretty um, confident. I'm pretty confident in my idea of cinematic. Mm -hmm. I looked on the internet and I also asked some friends on the internet. When you look up cinematic, there's people with videos saying, you know, it's great lighting, it's mood, it's having the right camera, the depth of field. And I was like, okay, I get it, what you're saying, but that's, we call that cinematography. Yeah. That is not definitely, that's not necessarily cinematic. That's a part of it, but not exactly it. And you'll see so many videos that sort of describe cinematic as that. And then I asked some friends. I asked a friend who's a illustrator who wrote video games and uh, he's a screenwriter. And he said, you know what? It's, um, and he, he said, you know, it's like Blade Runner. It's something that has, it has to have scope, right? Mm. It has to be big and have scope. And I said, what about Blue Velvet? What about Barton Fink? Mm. You know? So, so he's like, well, it's an individual. And then he said, it's an individual's preference, you know, and it's all a director has a distinct point of view. And I asked some DPs that, and that one DP who loves soundtracks, he's like, oh, it's got to have that great soundtrack, right? That gives me a feeling, creates a feeling. None of them are wrong, but I think they all pick at pieces of what is cinematic. So for me, I kind of pulled, uh, if you will, I went to Star Trek. I pulled this uh, Kobayashi Maru thing, right? There's a, it's a no-win situation if you, if you get my drift, you know, Star Trek Rathacon, right? It's the Kobayashi Maru, sir. You are looking at the only Starfleet cadet who ever beat the no-win scenario. I was change the question and say, define what is a cinematic experience. Ah, okay. Right. And there we start to get into what is cinematic because the experience means it can be on different levels. It can be different for you than it can be for me. We can have a general consensus, but it's going to be beauty in the eye of the beholder. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is, yes, it is lighting, framing. It is the lens you use, right? It is movement. That's one section of it. It is performance. It is music. It is sound design, which is huge. You know, I think of something like a racer head. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, it combined, but even more than that, it is, you, if I back up and say what David Lynch has this great quote where he talks about painting is action and then reacting right? We react to the paint, a painter reacts to the painting and he paints again. A reader, you read a book, you react, you create it in your mind, you go back to the book. Those are singular sort of experiences. But when you add the cinematic experience, it is an experience shared by more than one person. But there's an interesting caveat to this as well. So where cinema, what cinema does is it basically, it captures the ephemeral between memories and dreams right? It's that moment captured in time. So in my mind, it's not only how you present it, 
but how we as an individual react to that presentation. And I'll tell you a story at the end that that illustrates this, but it can be. So here's a great example. If you and you don't have to. This is what almost defines the difference between TV and film, because I can go into a film. I can go into a movie and I can see it alone. I don't have to be with other people. I'm not saying that cinematic experience has to be experienced uh, as a group. Right. That's not what I'm defining. I'm and I'm not defining it by the style of filmmaking. What I'm saying is. Do I get an emotional reaction? And then there's a, there's a level, there's a range of emotional reactions so that I feel like if you have a greater emotional reaction to a thing, um, it becomes a greater cinematic experience. So if I'm alone in a movie theater, I may not know anyone else in that movie theater, but if that movie speaks to me, I, and it's, this is why it's so hard to articulate and give an answer to that question that I still, I have a cinematic experience subconsciously almost with the other people in that theater, if that makes sense. Yeah. And you can, not that you can't have that in TV. So this argument of theater versus TV, what I'm saying is that the experience may not be as great. You can still have a cinematic, it still can be cinematic on TV, like a book can be cinematic in your mind, Mm -hmm. but that experience is going to be very different than if I were sitting in the theater Maybe not knowing anyone, but watching a movie. And here's the example I'll give. When I first moved to, to LA, I didn't know anyone. I was alone. I uh, there were, At the Sunset Five, they were playing Lost Highway. And I went into Lost Highway, and I'm, I'm going into the movie theater alone. And it's a small theater, so there weren't a lot of people. And it was daytime when I went in there. And I saw that movie, and it spoke to me like no other movie. It was the cinematography, the distinct point of view of the filmmaker, the sound design of it, the soundtrack, the experience, but also underlying that in this movie theater at the Sunset Five, experience it and other people were there. And then coming out, when I came out of that theater, the sun had set, it was dark. Just mm. like that movie's very dark. You know, the movie kind of goes from a bright light to, to dark. That combination of sort of those memories and dreams and that moment caught in time, to me, that was cinematic. But it was that experience I had was a cinematic experience. Walking out of the theater, you were still in the cinematic experience? I was still in the cinematic experience. And I and I think that experience can be at different levels. Hmm. So not that a, a TV show can't be cinematic, it can. But I would say... That would be the argument for, I know someone, one of your examples was 35 millimeter. I disagree with that. Mm. I think, you know, someone else could see Inland Empire on video at home and have a cinematic experience. Now, will it be the same? It may be different for them, but I do believe that in the cinema, in this, what we call this sort of subconscious connection connectivity that happens in the cinema that no one can really articulate in a, in a, um, in a very uh, factual way. Like no one can measure that. It's a feeling. And that's why this is so hard. It's a feeling. I think it's greater when you're in the cinema. Mm. Why, why do you think it's greater? I, uh, you know, that's a great, uh, that's a great question. I would say I walked away with it 
being an indelible imprint on me that I'm speaking about. That was 1997 and we're now in 2023 and I still remember that experience. And you have those cinematic experiences. I, I saw um, There Will Be Blood. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson was there and, and did a screening of it at the Arclight. Again, that was a cinematic experience that when I've seen, as an example, seen that movie, subsequent viewings with friends or on TV, it didn't touch me in the same way. Did I may have gotten more out of it in terms of understanding it, you know, the nuances, the, the subtext of it. Um, I love sharing movies with friends and having that experience. But there was a spe there was a certain experience that I had. That was unique. Not saying that those other experiences weren't cinematic experiences, but it wasn't at that level. So to me, it is, I would call it a cinematic experience, not just that to me is the definition of cinematic. Gotcha. Real quick, when you say different level and it comes on multiple levels, what mm -hmm. levels of what? It's how you feel emotionally to something. The levels of emotion? Right. And I feel that is one of my problems with even film criticism is that we are talking. This is why I like Pauline Kael, because she talked about films on an emotional level, how it made her feel versus most critics today will not talk about how they make you feel. They talk about why it works or why it doesn't work, why it's good, why it's bad and not the, um, the feeling that they got from it. And I think that's what's missing. That is what the issue I feel is, is partially the audience and filmmakers today making cinema, right? We forgot that it should be this, um, this, um, I, and I'm forgetting the word of it, but this, uh, emotional experience that we, and the more you share it with others, even if you're alone in that theater, there's something about that shared experience that makes it greater. You know, the, 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 the sum is greater than the individual, you know, the, so I think that is something that you don't necessarily get at home. Like I can have that cinematic experiencing a great episode of Breaking Bad and I go, oh, that's cinematic. Well, what do you mean by that? So it looks, it looks and presents itself very cinematic. The only component I'm missing that I think doesn't have as great an imprint, it will still imprint, I'm not saying it's not cinematic, is that I didn't share that experience as opposed to if I saw that in the theater, it may have been even better. I'm, there's different levels. So I'm not discounting that as yeah. not being cinematic at all. But I think we get in, we fall into this pure visual, that cinematic means it's pure visual, but I think it's Again, like painting, action, reaction. The difference with cinema is it's it's the group. It's uh, someone giving you that, you know, presenting that story, that painting. But then we are also getting it as a, as a group together. So is the shared experience like a vital part, an essential part of being cinematic? I think it is an essential part to a certain level of having a cinematic experience that I think people have never factored in before. Mm. Like they've always said, oh, it's just I have to present it in a cinematic way. And however you get it via V Netflix or whatever, it's that's why that that's good enough. That's my job is done. What people forget is it's the experience. It's the user experience that we've forgotten. We think the user experience should just be that it's a deliverable. It's more than being a deliverable. But since we can never quantify that experience, no one's ever quantified it. It gets lost in the shuffle. It's why I feel Netflix movies from some of our favorite directors 
don't seem to land the same way mm. as when they were making a movie not for Netflix, right? Mm. Because it's it's almost seen, and again, I think it works on a subconscious level. Movies work when movies really work, regardless of how they come. They when they work, they work on a subconscious level. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with that. When you were saying uh, it, it sometimes it imprints and sometimes it fails to imprint. What do you mean by that? Imprint on what? I think it imprint indelible uh, imprinting means I I told you that story, my experience of Lost Highway. Yeah. I'm telling you that you know in 2023, it's I have I never forgot how it made me feel. You may forget people may forget details of a movie or the dialogue of a film, but you if a movie has if you've had a, seen something that cinematic had a cinematic experience, what I'm changing the term you never forget that feeling that you first saw. And I really think people go back to films, like they'll go back to John Hughes films or those, you know, Die Hard or whatever, because what they're trying to capture, not only do they love that film, but I really think, and they'll say, oh, well, that was really cinematic. You go back, you go, no, you're trying to recapture the feeling you had when you first saw Die Hard, maybe in the theater, maybe not in the theater. Maybe you were a kid and saw E.T. on TV. There was an experience you had. It was a cinematic experience. And you go see it again, and you're trying to recreate that experience. And I would also go further and say, and people have varying degrees. It's, it's uh, It's also beauty in the eyes of the beholder. So for me, like... For me, I saw Blade Runner 2049. Mm-hmm. It's, is it cinematic? Yes, it looks great. But for me, it didn't have the same, it didn't click the same way that the original Blade Runner did. Now, for someone else, it may be the opposite, right? Mm-hmm. But when I saw the original Blade Runner, I probably didn't even understand it. I was too young to understand everything's going on. In fact, I think I fell asleep when I first saw Blade Runner, you know, and then woke up somewhere in the middle of Roy Batty trying to run after Deckard in that big house, yeah. in the big building. Um, but for whatever reason, it, it landed with me. Whereas seeing Blade Runner 2049, and maybe I'm older, I'm looking at different, that it has better technology, you know, they have more money, more, he's not fighting, doing practice, it's all visual effects. They have everything. I said, I would say the same thing with the first dude. It, for some reason, it's colder. It feels it like this, for me, the cinematic experience is not as great. Hmm. And why is that? It has everything that we've defined as cinematic, right? Hmm. It's got all the lenses and cameras. It's got the best sound. It's got Roger Deakins shooting it, but the cinematic experience for whatever reason is lacking. In that it's almost too perfect right so i would say again it's it's not just the action it's the reaction <clears throat> and sometimes we react as humans to imperfection more than we react to perfection mm, interesting i love it that's brilliant i yeah there's a lot to chew on this that's, that's awesome that's my I theory it. i love it <laughs> Adam, what, what are your thoughts? So, uh, Do you have any questions for Ramesh before you dive in? Uh, actually, mine's kind of uh, my take would be kind of in an odd response to uh, to his because I yeah I agree I think that what you're talking about is the ends of like the outcome of cinematic and to not question how the outcome was made but to just feel the experience of the outcome is that correct? Hmm. I would no. I would. I would say 
almost, I would question you. I think you question what you question is in a deconstructing way is say, okay, why is this not working for me? Right. But I think you have to, I think part for me, and I know other people are different. When I see a film, I try to go in first as a fan, as a viewer, as totally open. I try not to go with so many times today, people have pre existing ideas of a film. Remember when we were kids, we didn't have it. We get a trailer, you get a poster in a magazine, maybe, you know, I know my mom would bring home, she brought home a poster of E.T. I think I knew who Spielberg was, but this thing, I didn't know what E.T. was. And I remember and that, and even the poster was a cloud with a light coming in. I had no idea. So I'm going in fully unformed, like a piece Mm -hmm. of clay, ready to be taken on a journey. I want the director to take me on a cinematic journey because I want a cinematic. Have you ever watched a movie, not felt it, not had an experience with it that you enjoyed that in other words that you went, "Eh," but that you could go, but it was cinematic. It just, what I just didn't feel it for me myself. And how is that? I would say, so, it, and I think it's interesting you said that because you gave me another idea. So hear me out. I saw mm-hmm. Satan Tango. Yeah. All mm-hmm. one sitting, all, what is it? Yeah. Seven and a half hours mm-hmm. of it. Taking breaks in yeah. between, right? And going back and would fall asleep <laughs> coming up. It was a cinematic experience. I mean, there was something very... um that it was an ex- you experienced it. He's bringing you into even the cows going past the rain whipping, you know, all those things that are happening. You know, uh, Bellatar's a, a master of that. Uh, but it also, again, it was great. Should I have gone to a farm in Hungary uh, during, you know, uh, let's say Soviet occupation and had that same experience. It's his experience that he's trying to convey to you. Did he successfully get that across? Yes, he did. Do I care about it? Honestly, it pro- I probably don't. It probably, it's something that I maybe wouldn't revisit again. I could, I could but even he's, with he's what you everything. were describing, if I view f- you, cinematic experience through what you're describing... And I didn't feel for 2049, I could still be able to say, I would still define that as, yes, it's still cinematic. It just didn't speak personally. I agree. And that's what I said. That's the level. That's why I call it cinematic Mm -hmm. experience, because the level of experience you had is on a range, right? So it's on a spectrum, the spectrum of cinema, cinematic, everything can be cinematic. I think, uh, you know, a shot, a single shot, I think of, um, Roy, Roy mm-hmm. Anderson, right? Where it's the camera yeah. is locked. There's a guy here. Like the perfect example I say of Roy Anderson is he's a guy is in his room. There's a window behind him. He's eating a sandwich. In the window behind him, a plane is going down in flames. The guy looks over his shoulder at the plane, comes back, eh, keeps yeah. eating a sandwich. So simple, so beautiful. There's a cinematic quality about it. It has the sound. It has a scope, right? You see the world beyond it. The camera doesn't move, but it's all framed beautifully. You know, there's some, he always has the, the mood of the, of the dust, you know, the atmosphere. Um, 
And I love, it made me laugh so hard. I mean, I tell people that and they, they go, oh my God, they can, you can visualize it, right? When I told you, you immediately visualized it. Yeah. It's yeah. cinematic and it doesn't, but it isn't what people go to when they think, oh, this is sc- cinematic, right? Mm-hmm. Scope, their definition of it, but it's a, an experience. And I, sh- and I was just able to share that cinematic experience mm-hmm. with you yeah. in this yeah. moment. That's true. And it's even better for me that I get the chance with you. That's it now comes yeah, back yeah. to me, and I actually love that I got to share it with you. And that's why I have all these movies because my thing is, if it's a shared experience, if cinematic is a shared experience, I want to share it with as many people yeah. as I can. No, that's great. I mean, I like the and passion it grows. of that it grows a lot. Exactly. Yeah. And awesome. I would actually say the way it might be. Was that too loud at all? <laughs> I wasn't sure if I said that. No, you're good. good. Uh, I think what you're saying is I agree in that as a viewer, especially the first time watching a film, is come in it that way, experience it that way, have those feelings that way, just enjoy it and let it play in your memory and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But from, so I'm going to go into mine if that's okay. Into my definition. Yeah. All right. I was going to say, Adam, Adam, why don't you dive into your idea? Yeah. So, uh, I would, so I define it cinematic a little bit differently in that the outcome is that, but in the same, but when I'm talking about cinematic, I'm very aware of the means to get there. Well, not when I'm watching, just when I'm talking about cinematic. Um, it's a lot closer to one of the ones you read, although I want to take it a little bit further. I think it was the second one you read, Adam. Uh, the So for me, I, I and this is why I think it's great for us to talk about so that in the future podcast, when we're talking about ideas, we're understanding that we're kind of coming from these different angles, you know. Uh, mm-hmm, yeah. I like to use cinematic in the same as a defining word for the art form itself in the sense that in writing, so writing has poetry and it has prose as well, but it has poetry and uh, music can be, you know, folky and very simple, but it can also be like, and very lyric based music, but it can, but then music can be pure music. And, um, and for me, I, I especially want to use it with writing because writing deals specifically with ideas that are similar to film and that there are ideas that are tangible ideas. Music is usually in, a, in an abstract world. Uh, whereas um, literature is very much in a tangible world we use that we see the word cat we think cat right and with film you see a photograph of a cat we register cat so how to so to me when i use oh that's cinematic this was in a cinematic experience it's very similar when people talk in literature about poetry as opposed to a novel being very prose like and i think that what's interesting about what you said uh ramesh was the uh, cinematic experience because a lot of times when people talk about poetry they'll talk about it in terms of literary 
uh, forms, but then they'll also talk about like, oh, it was a very poetic experience, you know, whether it was like um, something that happened with a loved one or something that some sort of irony that happened to him. They'll say that, oh, this was that was a very poetic moment. And I and I want to get to that later, uh, get to it, that 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 they might be that something that's cinematic and something that's poetic are actually tapping into emotions that we create through these forms that hit that open up emotions in us that couldn't be opened without that art form. Right. And so now we, now we define it to that art form. So like I define this, Oh, I read poetry and it made me feel its way. So now whenever I have an experience that makes me feel its way, I define it to poetry. Oh, I had this, saw this film and it made, it opened up this emotion to me when I was younger. So now when I have a, uh, a reaction to a, something happens in life or a buildup, uh, to a movie uh, that, oh, that's a very cinematic experience because the emotion was opened up this way. But for me, it's also the literary form, which is in poetry, when you talk about poetry to literature, it is, you're talking about an art form that can only exist within literature. Uh, you are, they're using the means, the, they're using the elements of literature to create emotion in in a way that only words can make same thing with uh, music like there are these sounds but when you organize these sounds in a certain way it creates this otherworldly experience for you but there is a structure and a technique of getting there that is only to it and the reason why so i'm going to go in that this that's the prelude to it a very kind of general prelude but mm -hmm. uh the the um the idea i want to get at and the reason why i want to get at the idea is no i'll get to the reason later let's get to the idea so the idea is very similar to the second one in that i think cinematic is creating a very distinct emotion like you're talking about but using elements that you cannot find in other art forms to get there so to me they come down to three elements, editing, um, framed movement, and the combination of art forms interchanging with each other. Uh, the only place you could see that before was opera. Wagner was very focused on trying to create that himself, but it, he never could get to the fulfillment that film really did in combining those other art forms. We see little snippets of it in like music, for example, you see poetry trying to be rammed into music and it becomes its own form when it gets there. And I think the same thing happens when you start bringing in these other elements into film, whether it's uh, writing or acting or um, photography. You talked about cinematography and I think photography versus cinematography is this the difference is, is that like the cinematography adapting to the elements of what film is suddenly starts to change into what we now call sin. Oh, that's very cinematic image or whatever. The reason why we can see it as a cinematic image is the same reason we might hear a phrase and know that, Oh, that phrase is very lyrical, like something that would be in a song versus very poetic because it's adapting to the musicality 
in the same way that a photograph is adapting to the cinem cinematic experience. And that adaptation, I think, is its way of playing off of other art forms and especially its way of playing off of editing and framed movement. And then when I started thinking on it more and more, I realized like other, well, what is the central element to film? You know, for, for music, it would be, it's sound. It's the cre creation of art from sound. What writing is the creation of art through words. Painting is visual creation. And I would, most people would say film is a visual art, but I actually think the essence of what film is, is juxtaposition. It's the art of juxtaposing. It's juxtaposing and, and collaborating different art forms onto each other. It literal editing is literally just juxtaposing one image off of another image. And then from that, the ultimate goal is to create an idea, a story, or as you mentioned, an emotion. And I think that when a television show is working in a certain way and then uses these it's not just, but it's, I, I want to be clear. It's not just like pretty th ideas. It's the same way you would talk about music in that, um, you know, music is melody and rhythm and things like that. And I think that um, film is uh, ideas like uh, shot reverse shot. For, I'll give you a perfect example of a scene you may not think is cinematic at all. And I, I, came, I came upon this in this book called The Elements of Cinema by Stefan Scharf. And he talked about mm -hmm. um, the scene in Psycho where the sheriff uh, comes to uh, Marion Marion's door when she's asleep. A very right. basic way of covering that is it's almost, it almost could be basic because you have the wide when he's walking, then you have the shot of her and the shot of him. But what really makes it cinematic to me are two things that it's very aware of. The cutting, the juxtapositioning of those two images off of each other and what kind of emotion that can create. Okay. And so instead of just doing what a lot of right. people do today, which is a medium close, like our close-ups. This is not mm -hmm. cinematic. There's no choice being made here. There's no emotion being created from, from this or even a story or an idea. Instead. Why is that? So I'm gonna, Stop, define that. So I'll, uh, okay. to compare that to that scene, he is very aware that the okay. framed movement or the framed image jumping off of another mm -hmm. image creates an idea. So the shot of her is a medium from a little bit higher. But the shot of the, um, he's not a sheriff, he's a patrolman, I'm sorry. The shot of the patrolman is here. And and it's aware of another thing, which is costume design, which is to give him those reflective glasses that hide any kind of emotion. And, and if you count the frames, he has far more frames per second of him than of her. So there is a dominance both in framing of him, but also in terms of how how long a camera and being aware of after image, you know, uh, after image, right? Where you look at an image long enough. Wait, why don't you explain it? So there's, yeah, go ahead and explain so it. So a, a great way of like, um, the game that teaches you after images, like you draw a picture of a body, you put a red dot in the center of it and you stare at the red dot long mm -hmm. enough, you close your eyes and the body's there. It's teaching you that there is your brain, holds on to an image for a certain amount of time. The more distinct the image, just like that body you draw, the 
the longer it stays in your mind. So having a simple image. It's why film at 24 yeah, exactly. frames works. And, and in fact, <laughs> that I was going to bring this up and I didn't even bring it up, which is film is so much an art form of juxtaposition that the idea of movement is just juxtaposing still shots that creates a third idea movement. And I believe that most of filmmaking, right. what makes it cinematic, what defines it, you know, why is it not? Uh, why want it, When you have an idea to make something, why not make it a song? Why not make it a book? Why not make it a play? A book would be a lot cheaper to make. Why make it a film? And it, it, if you, your idea is because I want the ideas to be conveyed and create an emotion that can only be done through the elements through these elements that create ambiguities for like the for example the what you were saying with the guy who was uh eating the sandwich the plane going that's a cinematic idea because it is contained movement that has ambiguities all around that movement right that no no, no poem. Right. The, a poem covering that would have to be a completely different way of of conveying that, right? Uh, it, it couldn't. But the poem also has ambiguity too. They both have ambiguity that you get to imprint. But what I'm saying is the way ambiguity. to the ambiguity. I think all great art has ambiguities. Mm -hmm. That it plays with ambiguities. Mm -hmm. I think that's what be, what makes. As opposed to modern cinema yeah. today, well, yeah. Why it, why it does, because I think it's important to talk about why it does. Why it does is that it involves you. The more an art form can get you to create the, sto the right. story or the emotion or whatnot in your own head, right. the more you're bringing the story to yourself, which goes to, I, which goes to what you were saying about right. the group involvement. <laughs> what I think is really fun by a great film is everybody leaves that audience thinking they saw the same movie and then they slowly start talking about the movie and they realize they saw a different movie because right. maybe they saw the knife in the shower yeah. going, Oh, I saw the knife going. No, I didn't. And, and those ambiguities play on everybody's individual experience much different than um, than right. just being told. It shared, yeah, yeah it's shared mm -hmm. and individual. It's mm -hmm. a contradiction. And, and that is when I said the ephemeral between mm -hmm. the memories, your experience of your past and the dreams, your thoughts that we're always thinking in the future. It's, it's a moment ca captured in time. And it's because of you, your yeah. individual, that is the ephemeral, yeah. right? Plus the moment of, For, that so time. I'll give you a, so to go back to, uh, you're proving my point. But, yeah, I think we're at the same way. It's just mine is saying that I want to define it as this is an experience that that has to be done. Like, I do think I could watch Psycho at home and have a cinematic experience because it was made cinematically. I think that for so I want to go back to the car scene. It's a scene that you would think, oh, it's, this is a dialogue scene. So it could be done as a stage play. But in order to get the idea done through this, like as a stage play, the person playing the the patrolman would have to play him big and angry and yelling at her or something like that to convey mm. the kind of threat that the cutting does in relationship with the cinematography in the, and the performances in that scene. They, they play so well that the performances can just be said. The, share, the the deputy just asks for the can I see the ID? He's just he's just saying his lines, but the but the cutting and where the the orchestration of the 
images and the orchestration of the cinematic ideas are are done so well that he he doesn't have to play it big. He doesn't have to do theatrics to make up for the lack of cinema that that could happen in a lesser hand, right? Of if if he had done the, right. this framing in order to give a threat, we would have to give him either more dialogue that's more threatening or, or gives exposition that doesn't shouldn't have to be there, or he would have to play it much more menacing to <laughs> give that idea. And that, and that to me is where it becomes, no, it's no longer cinematic. It's just information that creates an emotion in me rather than, right. Rather than well, the, the essence of cinema, which to me is editing, um, contained movement and the combination of, of all the art forms together. That's a very minimalistic way of getting at it, but it's the, from their growth, right. from these minimalistic seeds grows like great trees of, of ideas. Um, uh, a, Similarly, I think like, um, you know, the, it can be big, not just dialogue scene. I, I wanted to use a dialogue scene like that because it's something we don't think of as cinematic, but I think it can still be tackled right. cinematically. And, and Sounds like Barton Fink, it's big. No, I mean, there's a yeah. lot of pages, but it's a big idea. But can I ask yeah. you one real quick question? You were, and you almost touched upon it length you're talking about you're talking eisenstein mm -hmm. to an to an extent right or we, or we could talk to untouchables right it's that juxtaposition of images of a rhythm and everything so let's uh, because one thing i forgot to mention was length i almost think i could almost confidently say that the because it's an ephemeral moment in the experience contradictory the shorter, the tighter the experience, the greater the cinematic experience. So when you see an old film, Psycho, right? We, we haven't talked about this. Not only shot selection, but I'm talking, it could be one shot, but the, the length that the movie's playing, right? An hour and a half. People are now doing three-hour movies, and everyone's like, you know, you could have cut 20 minutes out of that, yeah. and it still would have been great. You know, I could have done that. It, there's a brevity that you've captured that is will work on the audience greater. I want you to speak to this, Adam. Greater than this TV series. Again, the difference between cinema and TV. Not that you can't have a cinematic experience, but it gets diluted yeah. over a span and it can't sustain. Versus something like Django Unchained, which is so intense for that two mm. hours or whatever the time span is, or Psycho, it hits you harder because. It has been compressed in that moment that we're all in it. Together. I think it really comes down to how it, it, I, I don't fully agree with that. I agree with that in terms okay. of, uh, in terms of the, the movie, the, what you've, ex, the, the, the films and TV that you mentioned, but I, I think it comes down to part of, I, I agree with half of it. Uh, I think that, um, <laughs> Coming yeah, to your yeah, senses, yeah. I love that. I, I think that <laughs> if you treat four hours like it's an hour and a half, in other words, if you put every it, there's a very with, with writing, there's a very people can't forget, sustain that. It, it you can't sustain been four hours. Cinema. I can't remember who said it, but sense. basically, like they said, a novel cares about the chapters, a short story cares about the page, and a poem cares about every word, right? And I think that. 
If you were, mm -hmm. there were epic poems back in the day, which were the length of novels, but they were still poetry, but that's because they cared about every single word. So every, it, you know, they were written in a lot of human rhymes, the Odyssey. even though they were hundreds of, well, I mean, let me push back on that. So po po poetry, the term poetry comes from, uh, I believe it's the Latin for maker mm -hmm. or something that is mm -hmm. made. So like, it's not, it's an epic poem because of in the time and the way that was interpreted the, the it's, it's still a story. Um, but it's, it's a, a drama that was made. Mm -hmm. Uh, so therefore it falls under what they would call poetry, but it's, you know, it's basically a novel. It's a, a novel and then a, a drama or a play. Yeah. But that, that said, quick question. So for you, can there be something like, for example, can literature be cinematic? No, I think you can't have a cinematic scene when reading a novel. No, it would no, be a, have a literary experience, experience with a book, but not a cinematic. So I've heard a lot of people describe, uh, uh, for example, um, you know, scenes of some some of Cormac McCarthy, or uh, I think the way he like is they, they describe him as having a cinematic right. No, I think. Most right, visual. Are, or, or I don't want. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw those people under the bus and say that I think most people saying that <laughs> are only saying that because he's dealing with genres that we usually see in terms of of movies. It right. isn't. He's still tackling right and past experience we've had yeah. with those movies. He's still tackling the, exactly. the subject totally with like sentence structures that are very similar to uh, Hemingway or, or very similar to. Uh, 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 Tolstoy and sometimes Faulkner. even Faulkner, but, but he's getting at the, I, yes, they're genres that we usually see in movies, but he is getting at them still in, in terms of these words are creating these emotions in you and the way you're creating. So the ambiguity in that is, you know, he might say, describe an act of violence with sentences that have kind of beautiful structures to them. So I might imagine them, in, in terms of beauty, even though he's describing violence, which creates an unease in me, but that's because it's all in my head. Something that's cinematic is using the ambiguities right. of everything outside of what you're seeing, but still showing you enough to get your, your, the, your juices flowing that way. Yeah, what Adam's saying is so true. It's a contradiction because in cinema, you are creating everything. What we haven't talked about, again, is performance sound, the word that someone's written, the framing, the picture, the visual essence, but also the oral essence of, of everything. They've created this box. They've created a box to the nth degree, yet there's an ambiguity within that defined box and that the distance between that is the emotional reaction we're having and that's what cinematic is. That's why it's different than a book or a poetry or even a piece of music, which can be a cinema, it'll be a ex musical experience. But, and people will say, oh, I have this visual, I got a music video, right? You hear a track, you go, I know the exact music video I'll do, which is probably based on an experience I've had, the, right, the, the, the memory or an idea, like the dream, the future, but the, it's undefined and it's for me, it's so undefined. What's really interesting about cinema and why I think people, have such a hard time articulating it is that it is so defined for you by a distinct and the more 
distinct point of view like a Lynch, right? Or Tarantino or whoever, a Fincher. It's so defined for you, yet in that definition, you're able to have this experience that is one, your experience and contradictory, a shared experience, as Adam said. And I think that and that those circles, those like a Venn diagram, those circles that coincide and those circles that are outside, you don't get that necessarily to the same degree at, with the other. Yeah, I, yeah. In the same way, I would say. So real quick. No, no, you go. Uh, so real quick, uh, can, a, can a film be poetic? Yes. Uh, I would say a film can be all those things that a book and, and, and music can be in that same way, but those other art forms are very hard. It's like, it's the combination of everything, right? You see a Tarantino film and he tells it in chapters like a book, right? Or you see a musical event, but you're seeing it. It does all those things. It probably will lack some little nuances because you, it's not an individual experience, right? You're not, you're having an individual experience, but when I listen to a piece of music, it will affect me different than someone else, but it's not necessarily, it's shared in a concert, which is a really interesting, I see where you're getting it because they, there are some overlapping areas of that. But I think for the cinematic experience, it's one person sort of pulling you in, taking you on that journey. I use Lynch as the perfect example. And you're going within that, discovering it. But he is so specific, right, uh, of what you're doing on that journey, of what you're so doing. So you would say like a piece, of, a piece of music by itself cannot be cinematic. Here, okay. So I want to, I, I actually do want to answer that, but I want to answer the other one first. <laughs> the, can a film be poetic? Okay. I can, for me, I can say a, from, again, I'm just defining this is what I'm saying when I say cinematic. So I'm not saying everybody should have my opinion. <clears throat> this is just when we're having conversations right. and we're talking on, on this podcast and I'm talking about cinematic. Yeah, I'm defining my side. If anybody sees this and goes, oh, I like that, then great for them. Or they go, I want to take a little bit of this, but not all of it. So I'm not defining for anybody else. This is just me. Right. So within my own definition, how I would see poetic is in the same sense I was saying before, when we have an experience and it reminds us of the emotions that we get through poetry, we go, oh, that's very poetic. Yes. But that does, I'm not saying, but I'm only saying that with film because film is is, is a concrete express, like it is a, like it is capturing something that really is existing. It's not words that we then create or notes that we then add something to it is showing you this is something right here and through that through that experience we might go oh that was a very poetic moment that it did right there or 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 it has elements that remind me of what poetry is uh things like rhyming or or whatnot but i don't think in terms of can a film be poetic in the way a poem can be no, I think it can be like cinematic in that way. And I think that it can maybe tap into those same emotions, but I don't think, and I don't think it can be literary. I think the dialogue can lean towards literary, but I don't think it can be literary. Can a piece of music be cinematic? Yes. In the same way, a poem can be lyrical and that, Oh, you know, lyrics to a song or lyrics to classic songs. We we don't even know what they were for because they were for folk songs. So now they're just lyrical poems. If it reminds us of music, 
like it has the sounds of it create a feeling of music within it, then yes. But be, and same thing with 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 scores for music. We've we we have scores that we now define as because we've seen so many movies. We now go, okay, that's a cinematic piece of music because I know how it would be used in this scene. But I don't right. I don't know if I don't think I would say like. If I heard a pop song that was used in a movie, I might go, oh, that would be good. You could use this in a movie, but I wouldn't define it as cinematic. No, I, I wouldn't. Yeah, there's some there's some songs you love and you go, oh, my gosh, there's a there's a song you hear on the radio and it brings you it'll bring you right back to that moment. I always say we can time travel because you get a piece of music and it takes you yeah. right back to when you were 12 or whatever, listening to the radio. If you put that in a movie, does that work? It may it may work in a whole different way? Mm-hmm. You know, it may be contrapuntal to the scene you're doing, and that's fine. But it, again, it's not my yeah. experience because my experience has already been defined by that particular piece. When we're talking it in a cinematic sense, again, it's all those elements that you're saying combined together in a certain way, and then I'm having that experience. I do think with that a person could say, say like uh, he, that this song has very is like very cinematic in, in the same way that in that in. Right. And that you could you when they're usually saying that they're just meaning this would go really great under a scene in a movie like the I could right that's usually what people are meaning when they say that they're yeah. not it it yeah that's what I would say as the answer to that so for example have you have you ever sat like at a at a live performance where you're in the audience you're watching the music being played. And uh, say, for example, you close your eyes or you don't even close your eyes, but all of a sudden the, the music puts you in a state of mind that images begin conjuring. I don't think that means that it's cinematic. Along with that. That's not a cinematic experience for you. No, I think that's downplaying music too much. That's giving too much power to film and, and kind of taking away the power of another art form. I think Beethoven, you know, he wrote a sixth symphony to have feelings of uh of like the morning waking up and all this stuff but it was all through notes and um i believe that's the the right one which he couldn't hear uh, (laughs) you know he wasn't going like this is perfect for a movie (laughs) when you know in the 1800s he wasn't but uh i yeah. He was he was going with the emotion. He was going with the he was going Human with the experience. musicality ex- music yeah. the, the the music experience. Yeah. And all those guys are like and gals are like saying this is how it makes me feel. This note is how it makes me feel. Tchaikovsky yeah. especially, right? This is the feeling yeah. I have. This is the feeling I want to mm-hmm. convey. Just like a book I want to convey this you know, moment, which is funny because then you have someone like Thomas Newman, right? And I would say almost all his music, I'm a fan of his, but also all his music is needle drop. Almost. You can put a Thomas Newman track under almost a commercial, a film scene, you know, he did wrote a perdition soundtrack and, uh, and, and it's like, it automatically brings it up, right? Or it gives you a feeling. And that's, and I think that's where uh, music is used sometimes, unfortunately, in a bad way to make you feel something. So you throw music at it, which is a whole different thing. Hmm. But then it, but it's that combination that starts the cinematic 
experience. I wanted to say real quickly, uh, just to counter Adam, just on a couple things, when he was saying juxtaposition of images, you know, shot, reverse shot and editing. And I think of La Jete, right? Chris, Chris Marker's still story. And I get that it's stills and it's sound combined, right? It's a, but it's a narrator. He just is talking over it. But that last image is so powerful. And it, this is a this is a movie of images. And I think there's some movement in in between, if I remember correctly. You have that. You have the one shot in Anshi. Uh, what is it? Anshi and Angelou, right? The Bunuel film, where it's the eyeball uh -huh. that gets cut. Right, it's such a visceral experience. One shot, it's there, it, and it's almost out of context. It's a person behind a, uh, I believe it's a curtain, and then the razor comes in. That is not an. So I'm saying it doesn't even have to be narrative. It can well, be, no, that's why I was saying it can be just an sense. idea or creating an emo like it's to create an an idea, an em an emotion or to or narratively, and and I think that's a perfect example of like. It is, there is a cut there, the moon and then that it creates a, a feeling. But you could also do it without mm -hmm. the cut, like you right. mentioned with the plane going by. It's it's still understanding like a contained piece of movement. The shot isn't someone cutting an eye from super far away. It knows that like we can put, It's this isn't a stage play. We can put you right here, right where it's happening and show this to you. Um, when when La Jete opens up, it's just a still of Paris, but you have mm. that sound that gives you the feeling of it. There's a great – there's remember Lumiere and Company? They gave all these directors the camera and they had two minutes of film and you could do – and that's a really interesting experience oh, yeah, yeah. talking about cinematic, yeah. right? And every director had a different idea of what yeah. is cinematic. You know, David yeah. Lynch does this whole yeah. thing where he has the – the different things. His, his is probably the best one, which is kind of funny. W within limitations, he does the best. But there's a guy named Andre Con. Uh, I'm going to say it wrong. Russian director Andre Konchalovsky, and it's amazing. It's a mountain side, and you all it is is one track, and it's a you go into these weeds, uh, and it's in the weeds is a dog, and the dog has passed away, and. It's you see it sort of exposed. The body is exposed mm -hmm. without getting graphic, and you see these sort of like flies flying into it. It's but the dog is, mm -hmm. has passed away, and it's and then it goes back up to this grand gesture of the mountains, right? Somewhere, probably in the Swiss mountains or somewhere in Russia, and the feeling it gives you. Plus, there's some music, but the feeling it gives you it it is so powerful and so emotional in this one moment that it captures, it feels like a dream. Mm -hmm. And that's, and I think, and that is a cinematic experience. I think why for me, Lynch works and works for a lot of people in different, and it's funny, it's different movies, works in different ways. I think it, again, the ephemeral, when I say the ephemeral, it's capturing mm -hmm. like a dream. Mm -hmm. And I think if we capture a dream, it's, that to me becomes the cinematic well, experience. So. Not that, Spider-Verse, it was like a dream when I saw yeah. it, you know? There's the the colors running, the music, everything there. That was a cinematic experience when I saw the, the new Spider-Verse movie. It can be done in in mainstream movies too. I'm not we're not just yeah. talking art. Films well, the, the the shot you were mentioning, the the uh, 
the the short that's just one shot, the Lumiere one. Uh, I forget the name, but I, I know what you're talking about. And um, I uh, yeah. I wanted to mention that like that's a perfect example of what I'm talking about in terms of ambiguities. The opening of the shot is one image, mm -hmm. ending of the shot is the other image, and the slow movement into it, the slow disclosure of what you're about to see, gets the audience to go, "What's it moving to? Why is it moving there?" and when it's asking that those questions in its own, in their own head, they're answering it already. And and when it's finally seen, the emotion that's caused in them is the contradiction of what the image is to what they thought it was going to be. And that creates a truly cinematic experience because there are two different movies going. There are two different ideas going on. The the idea of the movie that started in their head and the idea that it ended up being. And that's what I'm trying to get at is. It's important for me to define cinematic as these ambiguities that can only be got at through these elements of cinema so yeah. that the audience creates yeah. something that only the photographic movement information can give through juxtaposition of all these different things. Um, and I love what you just said, the ambiguity, but asking questions. Well, that's the kind of ambiguity I'm I want to define ambiguity better because I feel like ambiguity for a lot of people yeah. just means, I don't know. But for, for me, ambiguity is is choosing things in, in your head. Oh, is it this or is it that? It isn't just, oh, it isn't anything. It's one it's, of two things or it's one of a few things. And your brain is, right. the power of ambiguity is the involvement of an audience. It's a part of music that I don't, I'm not as well versed. I feel like what's great about any art form is the more you get into the art form, the more you're aware of the ambiguities, the more fun you can have playing with those ambiguities. So like there's certain musicians that listen to jazz and they go, oh, he was going to hit this note, but he didn't. He hit this note. And I'm like, I don't, I didn't even know that. But for them, it's a lot of joy because they get the humor of like, he was going to play this, but then he didn't, he played this. And for a film viewer, like yes. knowing like, oh, a, a, a camera that's coming down is revealing something. Someone that's seen enough movies, it knows that. They, and you don't even see that many movies for something that simple. But you can, uh, uh, certain directors play with that. Like um, uh, uh, Antonioni constantly uses the idea of panning as a way to play with the audience. He will start to pan towards something and the audience the is going, oh, he's, re he's going to reveal something, but he never does. He's constantly playing with your idea, which right. is creating new movies each time in your head of, of what this is going to be. And um, it doesn't have to just, that's just the slow movement. The other thing is whenever a shot reverse shot happens, between two people whenever it's on let's say it's between you and i whenever it's on you the audience is playing me and whenever it's on me the audience is playing you so if it's on you and it cuts back and i'm eating a sandwich now but it didn't show me eating a sandwich earlier the audience registers that as a mistake even though there was enough time for you on you for me to grab the audience grab right. the food so it's not an actual mistake it's a lie to the audience because the audience intuitively plays as me so playing, I would even add to that and say it can go from a subjective to an objective mm -hmm. point of view, and it can, and then a movie your ambiguity. I would almost define it as it will ask more questions yes. than give answers in some aspects. And I would say this for another podcast: When do directors yeah. go bad, <laughs> go wrong? It's you know, I, without naming names, there are some that really 
are ask some really good questions and really challenge you. And later on, yeah. they don't challenge you as much. Yeah. And we can yeah, get and, into and that I, later. All but I wanted to mention to with point, the shot reverse shot, it, in the terms yeah. of that slow disclosure, is the audience is playing a game whether it knows it in a very mm. subconscious way. It's playing a game with the film. Right. It sometimes is playing as you. It sometimes is playing as me. And a director can mm. have a lot of fun with that. A lot of slasher movies, for example, have a lot of fun with right. the idea that when you're in the point of view of a character, the audience is playing it. So why play the people being killed when you can play the killer, right? So it puts the audience in this very um, uncomfortable position of being a killer just by having the camera move. And there's no killer right. there. It's just a camera moving. And But the audience has already used to, from shot reverse shot, being the character that the early stages, like Halloween, when the camera starts moving like that, the audience starts going, oh, I'm him. You just nailed something. You just made me think of something which is so essential to being cinematic. And you said this, I've said this, and you, ju you just mentioned it and reminded me, is that it's a pool. The movie is a pool. There's oh, yeah. a shallow end yeah. and there's a deep end. And some people, well, well, I'll say it, a Nolan or someone will always likes to play in that deep end, right? It's serious film. He's, he's like getting at something. Some people, I'll, I'll say it, you know, there's the, we love a Bay film, right? It usually plays in the shallow. There's nothing wrong. They are equal in, in enjoyment. But when those directors, those films, uh, play, and I know I've been talking male, but there's female directors. I think of, um, uh, point break, right? They're, they're playing in the shallow and the deep end yeah, simultaneously, right? It yeah. can be fun. Yeah. They're filling the whole pool. That to me, because of that, it, it creates an even greater experience that it's hard to articulate that I think that mm. becomes a cinematic, a great cinematic experience. And you nailed it talking about having fun with like the Halloween, you know, with the shot where mm. that shot goes, it drifts over and you mm. feel the bushes and stuff, but he's yeah. not revealing anything. Well, I'm, I'm just meaning like they're aware stuff. of the grant, like the, uh, the, the scales of like a film, right? Like they, they're, they know right, right. when the it's just like with what I was saying about jazz. They know that the audience has seen enough movies that they, whether they're aware of it or not, they've filled in these little parts of the movie. Oh, here's where the score is going to come in. So, or you know, whenever the score play, you know, whenever the score play, you set up when the score plays with a really emotional moment. Then whenever it comes, if they're going to subconsciously tie themselves to it. So you set up Jaws with that music. Later on, when I'm using that music over even dull ideas, again, it's that combination, that juxtaposition. But the audience is, it's about creating those ambiguities to get, that's the point of it. For me, what is the point of having cinematic? The point is to get the audiences involved and to create the movie as much as they possibly right. can without being aware that they're doing it. And it can be in a story or it can be in an right. idea or it can be in an emotion. But that's the point of cinema is to use the, those elements of cinema to create the movie as much. That's a lot easier for it's a lot easier for a book to get right. the audience to create it in its mind or a song to create it in its mind than, an, right. than a movie that's literally just photographic information to go. I want you to create even more so and bring even more so. But I don't want you to be aware because the moment you're aware that you're creating it, you might get frustrated. So it's a it's playing. I think I want. I, the one thing I would disagree is you could also be oh, I do, I do seeing yeah. Godzilla yeah. minus I, one. Yeah. Godzilla minus one. I know 
exactly how they're playing it. I know where they're going to play him and these things, and I still love it. I still love it because the guy is swinging mm-hmm. for the fences. I say it. This is a post-war drama wrapped in the. Yeah, I'll say I'm wrong in terms right? of like, it's, it's, uh, uh, it's not d- being aware, it, it, but I, I definitely want to say that I, I, I don't. I'm not meaning like you shouldn't ever not be aware. I I do think there can be moments where uh, a filmmaker is re- relying too heavy on ambiguities to the point that the audience. It's the like audience, the creator. Again, it's creator to be the work. Person to person. So right. Another person might be like, that would be right. perfect. No. Right. But right. I might see it and go, right. like we were saying with Blade Runner, I might see a movie and go, it didn't give me enough. So I, or I became very aware that I'm the camera in this scene or whatever. And I didn't like that. But the other times it may do it. Like, I, I do think it's really fun when a, a director play, like plays those Brechtian ideas of like, hey, you're in the movie, but you're also going to, I'm going to also still make you feel things, you know? Um, so I'm not. It's, it also, well, that's why I say it's the experience because that ephemeral experience changes yeah. with age, right? Where you saw a movie when you were 15 is so different than when you see a movie at 25. Not that there one is more valid than the other, but we have a different experience, you know, seeing as a kid, Flash mm-hmm. Gordon, right? I love that film. I saw it mm-hmm. so many times. Someone <laughs> sees it today. They may think it's the cheesiest thing. Mm-hmm. Awesome soundtrack, right? And great moment. It's cinematic in its own right. And it doesn't have like the perfect sets and the person, you know, you see that green screen, you see all those elements, but I didn't care. Right. When I saw it, it was beauty on. Yeah. And it's all defined first. Everybody has their own. That's why it's it's And and I'm not, and I want to make something very clear. Like I'm not saying that cinematic means good. I actually think there are movies that are very, I go, that's very cinematic. It, it, it is getting at ideas purely through cinematic means. It is creating a story in cinematic ways or, or not right. even a story. It's whatever it is. I can, I can see something go, Oh, that's cinematic. It wasn't for me. Or I can see something and go, it, it wasn't cinematic at all, but I loved it. Right. It was so funny. And, you know, what's interesting when you say very, that, uh, much just I, actors being funny and that right. and I'm okay with that. It's funny because you mentioned we talk about like Denis Villeneuve, mm-hmm. right? Everyone will say, Oh, he's a cinematic yeah. director. He's a great cinematic director. And I'm not, you know, I'm and this is all a personal preference. You see, like I saw the first Dune, I thought it was the way what he did was amazing. And it's exactly like the book. It's so true to the book. But it left me cold. I the experience mm-hmm. was down here. But then I take his prisoners. Mm-hmm. I love prisoners. I love enemy, which actually those films have more ambiguity mm-hmm. to them, and they're smaller in scope, much smaller than mm-hmm. a Dune, right? And he and uh, I think he used Roger Deakins on prisoners, but his other and I even think of um, Polytechnique, and I think of what's his second film called is um, Incendies. Which is also so to me, well, it's such a great cinematic experience, and it's the same. I don't director. know who said the thing about scope, but I actually think that's like completely wrong-headed. I, I I think that movies like Casablanca are very small in scope, but like one of the most lasting yes. experience you could play that for anybody at any time in the history of film and of, of when film has been around, and people will be having ex. And Wizard of Oz has yeah. a big scope, and it's still, and it, it also works. Really so let me let me ask you a question. 
I want to, I kind of want to probe your idea a little bit. Um, What is, when does something become like, when does a films or a a visual film motion camera experience, not cinematic? How do we know that? Um, Okay. I'm going to answer that, but I want to say first, uh, uh, um, just to go back to its connect, why I even brought up poetry is, when you're saying something's poetic, that you're not saying that's great. Like a mo- a book might have no poetic moment in what. No, it's function. Yeah, but it's you function. still are. Quality. You still go. Yeah. This is the best book I've ever read in my life, right? So I'm not saying it in that way. I'm just saying it's it's getting at something through the means of of its art form in a way that defines its art form a way another art form couldn't. So when is something not cinematic? Um, like I like I've mentioned before, a very like uh, anything could have any anything I say could be manipulated to eventually get at being cinematic. So I'd have to say like it would be shots like we're having of us, me and you. Like this conversation, I would say is not cinematic. If this were playing on a big screen, I would say that was not. A what does he mean? This conversation's not cinematic. What's he really getting at? With that question, because I would say it's all for movies. They're all cinematic. Bat, for someone, Bad Boys is as cinematic as mm-hmm. Arrival. So it's right? purely subjective. And, but it's a subjective mm-hmm. spectrum. There is, there are again, it's concentric circles where we will mm-hmm. agree on certain things, on feelings of certain mm-hmm. things. But it's an individual experience, but that experience is enhanced with the group. That's why it's yeah. contradictory that the whole idea of it is contradictory. That there's a no-win but situation. Like I was, yeah, I can see what you're getting at. But, and, and like I was, uh, like I was <laughs> saying is like you could make anything cinematic. So just putting – if you, you put this podcast just as it was on a big screen, I would say, no, that's a podcast. They're just watching a podcast on a big screen. But you could take moments of this. Right. And juxtapose it within the, within whatever you could create a movie in which there we cut out a moment of this and put it on the screen and it makes sense within the flow of the movie, as a cinematic statement within the movie itself. It could be right in the center. If Adam was at home, Adam was home. You're on a cruise ship. I'm in a plane, and and out my window I see something fly by, right? And it's like hurling through the sky. You also see something from your ship fly by, and Adam, it breaks through his window, blows up. This whole thing has become cinematic. It doesn't even yeah. have to be narrative. It created a reaction to it. Oh, my yeah. God, right? And we Well, yeah, it. but I also think it, that know, could be the, cinematic. The, so what about like a movie like Strangers in Paradise? Like, is that a cinematic movie or is that a non-cinematic movie? For me, it's very cinematic. Yeah. Because it has that. It it's again, it's the I think what helps something be cinematic for me is that a director having a distinct point of view. It's funny because I'm actually working with a producer who is the PA on that film. Oh, really? And he and, and they had and we were talking about it. And I said, How many crew did you have that? We had eight people on that. Wow. And he, you know, the car, the thing, the car that they drive, he goes, We use that car to pick up craft service you know we all shared craft service so again this definition of the camera and the scope and everything i agree adam is not 
correct. But that film has such a distinct point of view. It was a script he wrote where, you know, his teacher said, people don't talk like this. You can't tell a story like this. But he had such a singular vision and they were swinging for the fences. And there's a, the music, you know, when that, um, it's, is it, was it, it's screaming yeah. Jay Hawkins right at the beginning. Screaming Jay Hawkins and he's a wild man, so bug off. And that, and that, and the Hungarian cousins, I believe, if I'm remembering this correctly, got a bag, yeah, got the radio, you know, put a spell on you and she's walking through. It could be a post-apocalyptic, but it's New York, yeah. cold New York, you know. Well, Brooklyn or somewhere and and then you you see the dirt and everything and you so you have the sound you have the vision and not much is happening I always say I I joke say I'm the I like to say you know it's Jim Jarmusch's uh a lot of nothing happens and it's beautiful so I, I, what, this, what's fun about doing this episode first is it, even with this film we set up you, we can talk at it from two different ways, that experience and mine. I think it's right. cinematic as well, because in the same sense that, yes, he is uh, uh, has a very distinct point of view. But that point of view is cinematic. It is from the uh, um, understanding the the ambiguities of a camera and what it's showing of these people's lives and what we imagine outside of those people's lives. It's understanding the juxtaposition of screaming Jay Hawkins and this girl from Hungary. Is that where she's from? Mm -hmm. I can't remember. I never knew you were from Hungary or Budapest or any of those places. So what? I thought you were an American. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's okay. from Hungary. Uh, I believe they're all Hungary. And walking through New York and um, this old blues song and this 80s environment and how that creates a a third thing, like just the same, like I said before, the, the, that film is photographs juxtaposed to create a third idea, which is movement. And, and that's the trick. That's the movie magic the, in the same sense. And it's all caught in time it's and it's all caught in the moment, which is the eighties. This young yeah. girl in New York city creating this third idea, which is the vibe of the movie. It's not the story. It's the, just like a certain song, it's not the lyrics of the story that they're telling in the song or that it has a bridge or has a chorus. It's that some songs just create a vibe. It's that some, some books are just about, about right. like, um, uh, uh, like, a William S. Burroughs, you know, just like these stream of ideas. Right. Hits on the zeitgeist of the time. Right. And it's why remakes don't normally work because it they think it's the 2d yeah. they're not looking at the 3d yeah. aspect of all those elements of when it came out the audience that was in that mindset mm -hmm. that reacted to that on top of everything else they just think oh i just yeah. have these elements right i have this actor this thing and this and i'm making it today and i'll update it and it will work they again they are not Factoring in the yeah. cinematic they're, they're, experience, they're, they're remaking the story, but they're forgetting that, like what made it. Right. Which is why I always say the be, like they're always remaking movies. That were, John always remaking, Hughes films. Yeah, they're always John remaking movies that Perfect were great. Example. They don't remake <laughs> movies that were like, man, that was a great story, but it was executed poorly. Right. That's what they should be remaking. Um, 
And, and very rarely are we aware in the moment that we are in that movement. It's only after the fact. When people say, oh, you won't make great movies today, I totally disagree. You can make great movies, but you can't do it in necessarily in the same way or tell the same story. You got to tell it in your in – that's why being an individual is so much more important now, your point of view of telling that story this is because it will this work. This is why I wanted to even talk about cinematic and why I wanted to share my point of view on that is it's – I think it's very important for filmmakers today to 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 be aware that what the art form they're in is in like a very specific art form. If 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 you all you want to do is just tell a story, you don't have to raise millions of dollars to write a book. Go write a book. It's very you can no. get the same idea across that way. If you want if all you want to do is not even tell a story but to just share your opinion on stuff, you'll probably get more people to see your opinion on Twitter than you will if you make an indie film and put it to a few festivals. If if you're a person wanting to make films today, it should be you should be aware of what you're making and what the art form distinguishes itself against all the other art forms, against all the other information, against all the other content that people use. It's not content. It is its own art form. And that's that's yeah. I think why to me it's I am I define it that way is because I want to I want to be aware that it is its own thing, that it has its, it taps into emotions in its own way. And those emotions were unlocked in us, uh, you know, a hundred so years ago when we started to do that, that, that maybe, you know, maybe older, you know, people before that weren't able to experience those kinds of, uh, they weren't able to have those experiences that you're describing because they didn't have that. The closest thing they had was opera. Um, but that's about it. They didn't have film and it's its own thing. Anyway. I would jump off that. What you're saying exactly. And I, I'll say this on this show and every other show is that what Goldman said, right? No one knows anything. And it has not been proven more true than today with the mm -hmm. films today. And I'm not talking about mm -hmm. politics. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm just talking about telling stories. Mm -hmm. It's so rare to have stories that give us a cinematic experience today that what you said, Adam, was perfect is that I someone could do a Stranger Than Paradise, do their Eraserhead, do their Blood Simple, do their Sex Lives videotape, their clerks, their um, following, um, and be really successful today more than ever because – Films have been so Netflix and everything even more mass produced than ever before. I think that we're missing that individual. People want to experience that individual moment, that individualness point of view that is better represented when you don't mm -hmm. have a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm going to go and make this film that I see that I'm so passionate about. Does it work? Not all the time, but sometimes it does, you know, El Mariachi or whatever. There was something mm -hmm. fun about that. Mm -hmm. Right. And just, and, but you, what you're saying, Adam is, you know, now is the time more than ever to do that, take that chance and do that and create that yeah. cinematic experience. I think it's, it's ripe for the taking. Yeah, you, you're wearing a David Lynch shirt and you mentioned David Lynch a few times. And he, he I think he, he said something to the effect of like, he'll have an idea come in and he'll, he'll, he'll ask what's the best expression of that idea is it a painting is it a song or is it a movie is it a tv show he's aware that these ideas can are best expressed in different ways and i think it's important for people who are wanting to make movies 
to be aware that movies do something that other art forms don't do. And, and David Lynch is aware of that. And he, you see that in his paintings versus his films or Twin Peaks versus um, uh, Fire Walk With Me versus actual the TV series Twin Peaks. Very different experiences because he's very aware that one is has its own set of ways of expressing and the, that the other one doesn't. Um, you know, he didn't want to even answer the question of the of yeah. the murder of yeah. Laura Palmer, right? Mm -hmm. The whole idea was he goes, once you solve the murder, it's over. It was the mystery. It's a mystery. But I'll go even farther and say when he described Blue Velvet, he did not describe it in terms of plot, character, or anything. He described it in terms of feeling. He said, I see uh, I see a wind. I feel a wind. I see a white picket fence and a... a a girl, a high school girl's bedroom, right? It's feelings. He's talking about feelings and emotions. He's talking about the cinematic experience where we started off, the feeling he's getting from those visuals in his head, and then how he's going to take that and put that in the semblance of cuts and images and story and a mystery. And I think at the end of the day, the greatest cinematic experience for me is a mystery, whether that mystery is in an action film, a Western, a drama, a rom-com, it's you set up a mystery, right? And we are always go in to see the mystery and we're always sort of disappointed when they solve the mystery. But when you have the ambiguity as Adam, you've talked so eloquently about, that adds to that cinematic experience. So let me jump on that. Um, with uh... – I kind of want to, there's two questions that I want to explore with you. First of all, the question of juxtaposition. Now, when you're referring to juxtaposition with cinematics, are you referring to like the fact that film is one image replacing another image and referring to like that temporal element as juxtaposition of images? Or is it just when you cut from one shot to another? So uh, shot? for me, the juxt that is one element of, of it. I'm, the, I'm trying to, so, mm. so if you're asking, is it, this and then it's this that is one element of it the other element is you know the juxtaposition of what the production designer brings from her knowledge of set design or studying architecture to what the you know cine cinematographer has brought to the film in terms of her uh knowledge of photography or painting or whatever and it, even in one i think even in one moment, you could like you can have a juxtaposition outside of editing. I'm trying, I'm trying to get at like, yes, there, this and then this is the is one essence of juxtaposition. The other is within that con frame contained moment. Um, like uh, Ramesh had explained with that shot that comes down, you can have juxtaposed ideas in there, and then the other juxtaposition is of one art to the other and how the art has to change. Like a photograph can't just be a photograph. It has to, it has to change a little to adapt to maybe what the production designer brought. Or one of my favorite cinematographers of all time is Michael Chapman. He shot taxi driver, uh, personal best, mm -hmm. um, a lot of, uh, like the, the wanderers, um, what I love about him is he love shoots in a way oh, that is so aware of editing that you can tell, oh, he's, I, he, for a long time I, when, growing up, I thought it was only Scorsese, but then I, I saw what he was doing with The Wanderers and I saw what he did with Personal Best and I realized 
there's a lot of Scorsese there, but there's a lot of Michael Chapman in those films that is this <laughs> cinematographer that is so aware of the editing that he is adapting his photography to allow for the editor to play with what he's shooting. And I, <clears throat> so, yes, I'm talking about the juxtaposition of that. But I'm talking about the juxtaposition of the other art forms and how they, through that juxtaposition, start to transform. And it's the transformation that happens through that juxtaposition right. that creates cinema in my head. And there are many elements, like I said, it's a seed that grows into a tree. There are many elements that it grows, at, whether it's the slow disclosure, like he, like Ramesh mentioned, or it's the revert shot, reverse shot uh, that we were talking about with um, the psycho scene. Or if it's the, um, uh, there's a great Ozu shot of like a bottle. There's a bottle of alcohol in a beach and a, uh, uh, lighthouse in the background and just the 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 juxtaposition of the same shape of both of them plays like a humorous idea onto the person and so even that has oh you just nailed it you nailed it used to you it was a humorous idea which just illustrated the point it's not only what Adam's talking about is the almost technical the graphical quality of things but it's the human interaction it's our reaction to that yes. juxtaposition that is the glue that is that the thing that you can't articulate that you can't quantify in between those cuts as you've been saying yeah. subjective objective oh the but when you said that humor sorry i didn't i no. jumped on you because i no that's great that's that you, that and that's great what i was that saying the at the when, when i started to go into my thing was you're talking about the ends and i i wanted to get at the means uh, uh of it and I do think it's the third thing, you know, it's the, your, your thing is the third thing that it's creating. I'm getting at, you know, it's this frame neck that, and then this frame, uh, go, you know, goes on top of it that creates this kind of movement, right. And tricks the audience into thinking it's seeing movement. That's the, that's the, I, I hope I'm making sense, but that's it. the temporal element. That's no, no, it is. Well, it's interesting because we can talk about experience, well, right. which is these things. Well, let's talk about let's back let's back it up and talk about mm -hmm. making the film. So let's use Reservoir Dogs as an example, and let's use the scene mm -hmm. of cutting the ear. So Tarantino actually, when he shot that scene, and now we're talking about mm -hmm. the making of it. We're not talking about the experience later on. The making of it, he actually shot the scene of mm -hmm. cutting the ear off. Right. So there is, they had a, they fabricated the ear, they cut the ear off. What he ended up doing because he was the first having the first cinematic experience as he was making it, he said, I'm going to go right to the ear. And then all you hear is this and you go off camera, right? Mm -hmm. Camera pans and he's cutting it off. And then you're back and he's talking to the ear, right? He's talking to the ear. Everyone swears yeah. they saw the cutting off of the mm -hmm. ear. I would bet you dollars to donuts, and I wasn't there, but when he was um, – is yep. it Sally Menke who cut that? When Sally Menke and in Tarantino in the edit room, I bet at one point they cut it. They cut it because of, they knew the rating they get. They probably cut off the ear part, and she juxtaposed, juxtaposed those two images, and he's like, I think – did I just see the ear get cut off? Because I know we, a lot of times when we first see it, we talk about the film, yeah. we think we saw the ear get cut off. And people will say, oh, is that where they cut the ear off? 
and you're like, you yeah. never saw it. Well, that's what it, that goes he was all the, the way first back. person. Yeah, and that goes maker. all the way back to what I was saying, which is yeah. <laughs> it's the it's the um, the the audience thinking it's that ambiguity. It's the the if he, he'd shown it, but the director first has to think of that. But it's a, it is a real uh, moment of uh, of being cinematic. Because in a way that really touched a right. lot of people in a cinematic way because they, it's not just that it's the panning, but it's also the music playing that creates a sense of irony because it's a fun song right. and it creates this, this third idea that. that is not just the violence, but the pleasure of the violence because the pleasurable music that's playing. Is that as good for you as it was for me? That creates just like going back to Halloween, playing the, the, the killer. It is, creating a third idea in the audience, which is this uncomfortable idea of the pleasure of the violence that they're not seeing, but think they're seeing. And I will go one step further and I will say why it's so ephemeral is because he even says he saw Blood, Blue Velvet. That's the mm. film he loves, Tarantino, where they cut off the ear. He is borrowing from the blue velvet well, scene. From the first and Django. I wish I had the quote in front in of me. In fact, in the first Django, they do show first it. Django, they, do they, show. Cut, they do cut it off. But he talks yeah. about the ear yeah. scene in blue velvet as well yeah. on top of that. So these, my, but my point is wherever the source yeah. material is moved, it's that, it's, it's a memory, right? It's that memory that he's bringing that ha he had a visceral experience. He is then transferring that onto his own screenplay and his own shooting of that and he is hoping that to transfer that ephemeral that visceral ex cinematic experience that he had now that he's yeah. making to you and that is why it's yeah, but even more so it's going back to your conversation which is that that is the jazz oh he was going to hit this note but he didn't you've seen blue velvet so right. you put blue velvet into it because that's your conversation that's right movie, which is the most important. <laughs> right so i'm I, imprinting that you know some other kid yeah. that sees that movie has never seen blue velvet has only seen maybe japanese anime movies it's going to bring right. your own uh, right. like cartoonish idea to it. It's a spectrum it, of that's the experience. Why we leave that same yeah. experience and, and all seeing fact, a different way that ear is cut off because we right. all bring our different and that's where it becomes cinematic to me is the just the juxtaposition of things that aren't the thing that create the thing, which is the third thing. The idea, the story, the feeling. And, and what's even yeah. better and he's even he does even better because we all think mm -hmm. we saw it get it in our own off way. and we didn't yeah. so yeah. there's another layer yeah in our own way let me, it's uh, let me probe your guys's idea <laughs> what what is the relationship between uh cinema and story can you have a cinematic can it be cinematic without a story yes absolutely. totally like i was saying it can be like uh, it can be it can create well, actually we should define our terms ramesh what is story Oh my gosh. No, Do we have another right. couple of hours? This is going so long. In, in two uh, sentences. Uh, Can I go while he's thinking? Uh, you're talking. Uh, sure. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. I go was on. thinking about this earlier. I've actually always, uh, I've, I, I think that story is a, an, is a narrative that we that that has existed forever and it will change from time to time at one point it was an oral experience another other times it was drawings on a cave story can go anywhere it is its own art form that can be anything it is just it is this element 
So a story is anything. A story can be anything. And, and it is okay. the, 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 the way to try to organize the world through a set of experiences mm. or narrative ideas. And it can be a, it can be fashion. It can be a song. It can be uh, a painting. It can be poetry. It can be all of that, which is why I wanted to define cinema to begin with, because people always talk about story, but but the idea of character and and um, uh, conflict, these are things that are in all art forms, but but they're expressed by the aesthetic of of the medium itself, right? And so how the story is is what makes it cinematic. How the story is, as opposed to what the story, because a story can go to anywhere. But, uh, you know, how the story is in caveman times would be those drawings of the, of the, the, I, I'm guessing they were ox or whatever as they're hunting them or whatever. Or it might be like a tiger or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And uh, the spear, but very crude drawings on the, on the wall. But th that is how it's, well, that story it's is that. And another story might be, I'm expressing myself a certain way through with a fashion that I, I want to show that I'm a, 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 you know, I want to, I want to show that I have been through a lot. So I'm going to wear this tattered jeans and, or whatever it is, right? Like a story, story is a narrative, but narrative can find itself in any, any art form, but it's more important when it comes to cinema is how is that narrative being uh, expressed through that art form? Does that make sense? Well, you keep using the term uh, story is a narrative. So then what is a narrative? Because most people think of a narrative as a story. Uh, either one of those would be like, a, so, I would say, is it like um, hmm. stringing along of events in a, um, what's that word? Uh, in a, It's a stringing along of events that tell an ex of, of experiences or events that, that tell a cohesive uh, idea, I guess. So a series of events, yes. kind of. Okay. Or it could be, right. you know. Ramesh? Yeah. So, interesting. I'll, I'll use, I sorry, I have to use an example. I yeah. went to right. Hennessy and Ingalls. There's this great book uh, by Robert Frank called The Americans, a book of photographs. Uh, I was flipping through it, just getting ideas. I love photography books i see this book and it's uh a roadside snow's coming down there's an abandoned little house in the background and there are a sheriff a woman and this other guy and they're in coats and they're cold and they're standing over what is a tarp covering we don't know what's under the tarp. We don't know if it's, it could be the size of a horse. It could be people. It could be, uh, and it says, and, and I don't even think it said road accident. It just said, uh, maybe it said accident on the side of the road. I don't even know if it even said that. And when I saw that image, I put together the story of how that happened. So it were ideas, pieces of ideas in my head from that image of what happened. It was just a natural thing. It wasn't like I was in an exercise to create a story from this. I just thought 
what happened? My first instinct was to ask the question. And then in my brain, as we talked to ourselves, was to come up with the story that it happened. Oh, was this an accident? Are those bodies? Is that thing I'm seeing in there a foot? Or is that, an, or is that just something else, a piece of uh, metal, mm-hmm. uh, sheet metal? And I think, so for me, the story is the, the ideas that we start organizing in our heads. Uh, and it, and it, and it, and they, and what's great about it is they can be, they're so abstract because even in our heads, whatever we thought was beginning, middle and end start to flip mm-hmm, mm-hmm. themselves, right? They never, they're floating in there. So it's never a, 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 B and C it's a three and two, right? And that to me, but whatever that is, that is story. It's, but it's those ideas and they're ever changing. It's a malleable thing until it's put is what Adam said until it's put as a piece of music that's written out or a book form or whatever, these are still stories that tell when I'm telling you about the guy eating the sandwich with the plane going down, Mm -hmm. I may have gotten that wrong. That may not Mm -hmm. been the events that happened in that thing, but I told you what was in my head. And if you told that to Adam, if Adam wasn't here and you told that same story, like a game of telephone, you may Mm -hmm. switch the events. And that's your story that you're telling, but it's those ideas. It's that organization Mm -hmm. of ideas that then create something, what we call a book or a movie, but it does start visually. It does start visually for us and it's language because I'm telling it to you and I'm visually seeing it. Just so, me. So here's the thing. I'm, I'm hearing cinematic is, uh, according to your different paradigms, uh, cinematic is uh, slow reveals that get you to play a game with the audience and they start guessing where it's going going. Uh, it, it's it's asking questions or provoking the audience to ask questions. What's going to happen next? What will be revealed? What is my emotional engagement? Is that not story? No, because it can also that could also be like there are definitely like Godard movies that I've seen that aren't story that are more video that are more essay in terms of form and the way that these creating an idea. I guess it could be st- the answer would be. Yeah, I, like Alphaville. I think in a very abstract way, that- story. Yes, I'll say that in a very in a very abstract, yeah. you know, like I was saying with fashion, in a very like it could be a, a piece of clothing, it can be a design of a house. Uh, one of my favorite architects is uh, Gaudi, and he very much is telling stories with his architecture. With his architecture, right? Uh, he has a building that is that tells the story of Saint George within the architecture. Um, I, but it's still in an, in an abstract way. And so I would agree with you then. Yes, it tells a story, but if, if a person sees a movie and, and even though it was, it uses cinematic modes to create ideas and to them, they go, Oh, there wasn't a story there. Nothing happened just because to you, nothing happened. Didn't mean doesn't mean there wasn't a story that doesn't mean that, Oh, through the, I don't know, through the combination of screaming Jay Hawkins and New York and the girl walking down the street, that that's not, if that's not a story to you, then no, it doesn't have to tell a story. But if that's also a story to you, then yes, it, that it, it's mode is to, I mean, it's uh, ends is to tell a story. So that Cause you had a reaction to that. It still goes back to this idea of like a, a extreme subjectivity. If it's cinematic for you, then it's cinematic. If it's a story for you, then it's story. So what you're describing is uh, if it's beauty, then it's beauty. And therefore anything can be cinematic and there is nothing that's not depending on whether you feel it is or not. 
for a person. For me, again, that's why I wanted to say, like, for everybody, but like, this is just how I define cinematic. So for me, like, this podcast would, if you put it on a big screen by itself, would not be cinematic. It would be a podcast on a big screen with an audience watching it. I would, I would, I for me, because we're not telling the story. Say to them, if we're speaking for everyone, then yes, everything can be anything. And, but if I'm speaking for me and my experience, then no, this podcast could not be a, uh, could not on its own. Just putting it up there. I feel like he's trying to tell me something. What could it be? If It'll be a podcast experience, experience but not a cinematic. <laughs> That's how we're it's defining about it. Cinematic, so it is a, be- a podcast. It's a cinematic. podcast about but cinematic. It's not a, I but it's say, uh, cinematic, dan- right? It's not right, cinematic. Exactly. It's about yeah. cinematic. Yeah, we're, right. We're dancing exactly. about a book. Kobayashi Maru. I keep saying <laughs> <laughs> no in situation. That's why we now it's great because we are all talking about yeah. experiences. We aren't talking about. What everyone like talks about on YouTube, cinematics. Cinematics. If you took them, cut this out, and you took like a minute of this and put it in the middle of a feature that had one of our characters or all of our characters going through right. experiences of whatever we u- we're using, and then suddenly this scene happens, and there's meaning within this. That's a third. We're talking about film, but the audience realizes that, like, oh, what he's saying, what he's talking about. It is, um, I can, they start to watch me because they know that in the previous scenes that, uh, um, uh, I went through some sort of heartache and I'm, even though we're, we just take a moment from this and now they're watching me in these moments of like, when I'm not talking, when I'm just sitting here, they're starting to watch me because of the juxtaposition of the previous scenes. I do think that can now make this sequence. Uh, cinematic because there is the third idea that's created through the juxtaposition of moving of of moving images and and editing and sound design. You could just so have an emotion. You could is start crying. inferring a new thing onto yeah. these, and to these things beyond just right. Right. If you started crying, not, I don't even have to cry. They just crying? have to know ahead of time. Better. And when I'm sitting like this, <laughs> they're now adding oh, crying and, into see, the scene. But then you'll later that, on after the movie go, oh, I, in the I, scene where they had the podcast and he started crying while they were all talking. And then someone else would go, no, he wasn't crying. He was just sitting there. I'm like, I don't even think you need a scene. I don't even think you need a movie. I don't even think we need to know why you're crying. I think the mystery, creating the mystery of you just start crying. If Adam and I start having this big conversation, we're so into it and we're totally ignoring you and you're just sobbing in there. You could even pick up your phone and look and put it down, whatever it is, or you look off and you just start crying and you just start having this experience. We know it. And then the audience goes, wait, it's not about those two. There's something else going on. That starts the story. It starts the narrative. Because then I, as an audience member, start to imprint and have this experience of, oh, he got some bad yeah. news. Oh, before this, did his significant other break up with him? Or did he just – is someone really sick at home and he's thinking of that as right. we were talking about? That, that becomes cinematic or if, I would just, if you, we just put the podcast all by itself up and I started crying – just this podcast right. and then I looked down and started crying. I still think that that would still, that's an ambiguity, but I don't. 
What, what about Michael Maybe. Snow? What about Michael Snow and well, Wavelength? Yeah, Remember where he, it's an experimental thing where he shows... Right. Yeah, it's just a, it's a shot of yeah. an empty room. It's a shot of an empty room and there's a yeah. sound, right? No, I mean, then, then, then really we start getting into is I'm there, not sure if it's say, cinematic or not or if it's just a movie. Again, it doesn't have to right. be... Well, let's uh, let's let's push it to the right. extreme. What about it? Like, uh, do you guys know Lin Lai, the animator? Mm-mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the extreme. For- Basically, it's, it's- <laughs> the extreme for me would be the Empire State know, Building it matter. Uh, by Andy Warhol. <laughs> you know. So, right. uh, so Len Lai does these uh, basically animated shapes uh-huh. uh, in succession, uh, and a lot of it tends to be cut to music and yeah. jazz. In particular. I even think without and music, the, the, it's, it's just it's shapes and colors and things like that. Is that it? Would something like that be cinematic? Yes. Wow. If I have an emotional response, I would have a cinematic I, experience. I would say even for yes. me and my definition, for me and my perspective, the fact that it's somebody who is aware of, I mean, animation is, you're, you're right. You There's a creator behind it. Constantly yeah. aware that it's, that you're juxtaposing. You're going this to this, to this, to this, right. to this, to this. Right. And it's all framed. It's not some VR experience. It is this framed thing that you're very aware of the space around it and the movements that are created through the illusion of juxtaposition. It's the third idea within there. And I don't even think you need the music in order for that to be uh, a cinematic experience for me. No, I don't know for other people. Roadrunner cartoons can be cinematic. cinematic. I think those are some of the very most cinematic, uh, you know, and they've been borrowed some by so many filmmakers. I think of raising Arizona. Yeah. 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 But we never heard from from you, Adam. Yeah, yeah we didn't I, hear I have from a you, very uh, specific uh, <laughs> idea of what of what makes something cinematic and and what doesn't make something cinematic, um, and it, it it ties into um, it t- it ties into the source of of film and cinema itself. I, I kind of go back to uh, the original idea of like uh, from Moybridge to Lumiere, uh, the the Lumiere brothers. Uh, created a camera everybody uh, during that time a lot of people were, were inventing their versions of uh motion cameras and they were the ones to do it successfully in such a way that it, they could make the camera make a projection uh and then make it for commercial appeal but they were mainly interested in kind of uh in uh, kind of in scientific endeavor they were looking at capturing a slice of life and putting it away in the freezer so we could take it out later and warm it up and look at it. Um, so they looked at, at film as a way, as a historical value. Uh, it, they weren't necessarily thinking in terms of drama. Uh, it was more sociological. And then they started projection right away in, you know, 1895, you have um, Alice Guy, uh, Alice Guy Blaché. Do you know how to say her name? Blaché. I, I call her Alice Guy Blaché because I don't speak French very well. Um, and then uh, Georges Méliès, uh, who literally t- took it and they said, well, it, you know, we, it can be so much more than just a sociological experience. Um, and Méliès uh, took it and was, you know, he's a magician. And he started right off the bat uh, with spectacle like camera tricks and yes, he would tell stories, but most of the stories were a pretext to say, look at this landscape, look at these visual effects, look at these kind of fun little tricks that we can do with the camera with timing and juxtaposition. And then, uh, Elise guy would, uh, 
she's just started telling narratives. She made over a thousand films, uh, more than a hundred like feature length films. Um, and the whole time she did, she started telling stories specifically. She was, she wasn't as interested in like the spectacle or the camera tricks as she was at immersing you and telling stories. And because of that, um, you know, this, the, the Lumiere brothers called it cinema because they're drawing from the, the Greek, uh, kinema, which is motion and, uh, graphene, mm-hmm. which is a print or a record. So it's, it's the, a record of movement specifically. And that's why they looked at it as a scientific experience. It's a record of movement. Um, but what I think, uh, Edison what, what, too. Yeah. Exactly. So what uh, Millier and uh, Elise Gay-Blaché brought to it, I think Millier brought spectacle and what Elise Gay-Blaché brought story and brought the elements of conflict and uh, immersion into the characters specifically, where Millier is interested in the image um, ex- exclusively like the trick and the playfulness and the spectacle. Elise Gay-Blaché becomes more interested in telling the story of it and immersing you in that world. And uh, Millier will go look at the moon. He'll go look at the world and look at these characters. But Elise Gay-Blaché will immerse you in them and say, this puts you in the moment of a drama and have that conversation with the audience. So what I think, I see her as the true inventor of the cinematic experience. So what I define as a cinematic experience is when we cross from looking at something that is a spectacle, which is a series of image or or a a powerful, uh, it's specifically image that grabs your attention and it's an image in motion that when you transition from a mind state of observing the spectacle to immersing yourself in the experience of the film. That immersion is crossing what I call the cinematic threshold. When you are feeling what the, what the cinematographer, what the director uh, wants you to feel. And more specifically, when you're immersed in the world, you forget you're watching a film. You are no longer um, watching spectacles or a poster on the wall or beautiful people. You are imagining that you're experiencing their experience for yourself. And that immersive quality to me is the definition of cinematic when it's using the elements of film to immerse the audience in the feeling that the character wants to get. Now I define story as uh, a character uh, with an objective facing obstacles. It's always a point of view. And uh, so when you, when you talk about cinema innately, you have a point of view, which is always the camera. Now, as soon as you uh, embody it in a character that uh, appears on screen, then we start to have that kind of interplay. But always we're playing with the idea of like, as soon as you get the audience to ask a question about a point of view, there is a, uh, like you said, the guessing. And as soon as you're asking questions, the story Mm -hmm. emerges because there's a conflict of what is known and what is not. Story is a series of events where we try and like um, assign meaning and order so that we can begin to predict like our brains are prediction machines. So the cinematic experience is we begin to engage the visual elements, the auditory elements, everything that film can offer. Uh, and, um, and we begin to immerse ourselves in it. 
as long as it remains always a spectacle as a flashing images on the screen, we haven't immersed ourselves. We haven't crossed into the cinematic. We cross into the cinematic when we forget that we're watching a movie and we feel as if we're part of it. We're immersed in it. We walk away from it, almost convinced ourselves, our subconscious, that we just went through that experience ourselves. And that's to me the different when it's not cinematic is when it becomes nothing but spectacle and films that are nothing but spectacle, like just getting spectacle alone is very difficult to do, but it's even harder to transition into that or cross that threshold um, to experience, to make the audience experience what the character might be going through. And that's, and all the different cinematic elements, formalism, all the different elements when they talk about like shallow depth of field and camera movements and music, those are the, those are techniques that help the audience achieve that immersion. And if they don't achieve that immersion, then that's when I say it's not cinematic, which gets into the subjective. Some people walk into a screen and they don't want to sit as soon as they see a, a, a kamikaze pilot landing on a field and they're immediately like, Whoa, okay, this is heavy. This is grounded in, in history. And as soon as they see a giant lizard, they're like, they're completely cut out. They, they dip out. They're not a, a willing participant. And this is where it gets into the relationship between the artist and the audience. Cause the cinematic relationship is like all art. Art is a relationship between the audience or artists and the audience. It's that bridge. Cinema is specifically the bridge that's composed of visual imagery or visual imagery in succession. Um, and I believe that I, I'm, I'm almost unable to, imagine or conceive of a film that doesn't have some element of story because of its temporal, uh, its temporal element or temporal uh, per dimension. I, can I say something? Yeah. That, yeah the, for that, that there's uh, the gray Fox is a great movie um, about the guy, a guy who's basically a, a bank robber in the old West goes into jail. And when he comes out, the world has moved on, right? There's cars, there's all these sort of things uh, played by the great, and I'm blanking on his name. He was in The Straight Story. Oh, I know the movie um, you're talking about, yeah. Uh, okay. you know the, uh, yeah. yeah. So he goes into the theater. Yeah, Richard Farnsworth. Thank you. Richard Farnsworth. He goes into the theater, and what does he see? He sees his image of a woman come up and shoot. Mm-hmm. And everyone jumps. Uh, if just that image alone could be an immersive experience and it could be a cinematic experience for someone not necessarily relating to a story. Not maybe, but I mean, there probably is well, a story. I would, beginning I would argue it maybe. Is a... oh, go ahead. I would say that, bec- but, but what I'm really getting to is that immersive experience is uh, again on a spectrum. What I love is that you talked about experience, right? Yeah. So it's your, the viewer's experience to that because again, someone can watch The Rock and I know people, The Rock is their favorite film. It inspired them to become a filmmaker, right? Seeing The Rock, it's a lot of people's favorite uh, Michael Bay film. But it may not have been immersive for someone else. They go, ah, oh, what is this? I think the best example, too, because it's when we are talking about, we're talking about a shared experience, Star Wars, right? Star Wars, when everyone can, can almost say that when they were in that theater, they all unanimously together, why that is such a, a lasting moment, I think, in cinema is because they had a shared experience and an individual experience that kind of, all matched together within the zeitgeist across the world. Whereas 
the other ones are different levels of it. So when I talk about a spectrum, that would be at the high end of the spectrum. Now they think, oh, I have the formula of Star Wars. I'm trying to recreate that. Again, that was a moment caught in time in 1977. That time is not going to happen again. Maybe it will happen for a different film. It ain't going to happen for Star Wars. Can I ask how it's technically not know, so, uh, Yeah. What's up? Well, when you, earlier when we talked, you asked right if you we had a dis, earlier we were talking about what story was, and you had asked us, and Kent. So does that mean that if like these ideas are always at the mercy of story? And I said at a, at a general not the mercy. I wouldn't say mercy of story. I would say that story is a dimension to, to it. it. Okay. So, and then you said. Uh, so, so my question is, how is spectacle, how is spectacle not a, a form of storytelling? I don't even think spectacle is a form of cinema. So it is. It is. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. So spectacle, uh, spectacle is the spectacle is the medium. Well, imagery is the medium, but spectacle is a kind of image, and it's one that draws attention to the image itself. So if it's if it's a spectacle, you're engaging it simply as as an image that is a, it, it's a it's a shifting mind state from the voyeuristic where you're um, or not even the voyeuristic from the spectacle perspective. You're 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 observing it from a distance as a piece of art that's separate mm-hmm. from yourself. Uh, like I'm thinking like uh, Transformers. You see a, you see this giant robot uh, on the screen and is beautiful lighting and it's fully rendered so it looks like it's integrated into a a real photograph or a real Mm -hmm. image and it's this incredible beautiful image that's engaging you it's fascinating but until there's uh until you're immersed in that moment you like you feel that there's some something at stake or you feel that there's some sort of interaction or some threat or opportunity then you're not emotionally engaging. You're not, you're not in shifting into the immersion. You're just watching it. You're just looking at an image. I, on, on so screen. I do, I will say that's, I, might I, just, that. I think I just oh. experience things differently. I think that I can, I can have mm. spectacle that is just spectacle. I can have moments that happen in film that are not adhering to what you're describing as a story, as a character going through conflict in order to gain something, right? Uh, I can have that experience of, like we mentioned with Jim Jarmusch's film, a girl carrying a, a, uh, a boombox. So uh, that's, that's a great example. Like, so I can do shapes. So that's a great example. Actually, colors. let's go even. The anime. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I'll go even one better. I'll go even one better. There's a film called The Begotten by uh, uh, Elias uh, Mirage. He did, um, I think, Shadow of the Vampire. And this is a oh, film, yeah. It's he, he actually processed the film himself. It's basically almost a negative image, just to describe it to the audience. And it's a person kind of shuddering in the mud, right? Mm-hmm. This figure shuddering in the mud who basically cuts themselves open as things are crawling in the mud. And you are like, and it's kind of one image that kind of lasts for like, I don't know, an hour or something. And it's an experience, you know, and it is telling a story, maybe up to your interpretation. For some, I'm 
guarantee it's a it's an experiment that is gone wrong for others it's a it's a story that's grabbing them what it's supposed to be is god ex, ex what do you call it ex, uh, you know cutting yourself open to let creation come out which in the form of blood and whatever to let it run and these creatures run out right mm-hmm. and that's what that's the intention of he has a specific point of view, specific style design. He's got music going, performance, everything. It's kind of basically one image for the whole 40 minutes. It may go in for a tight at one point, like 20 minutes in, but that's it. And it's an exp- and you, it's immersive experience too. If you saw that in the theater, it's very immersive because after a while, just like a Bellatar film, you only see that, right? It's like, and it has that sort of sustained power. Um, did it affect me emotionally? It, for me, it didn't affect me emotionally, but it was really interesting to watch. For others, they were really inspired by it. I know Nicolas Cage was blown away by it, and that's why he gave that guy uh, an opportunity to do Shadow of the Vampire. Mm-hmm. So uh, the experience was different, but it was immersive. Did it necessarily tell a story? It told an image. It told an experience. So I think it's an experience you're creating in a cinematic way. In a, yeah. But I, but sorry, I, but I don't think it necessarily needs to have in the way, like I do agree with a story, but in it can, the story can be the vaguest um, idea of what right. a story That's is. Exactly. And I can still cross a threshold for me. If, if it's, ex, if, if what it's expressing is creating is involving, if I'm getting involved, in other words, like I can forget the world right. that I'm in without having the what how you're defining a story but that's also same thing with all the other art forms that we've mentioned i can i can forget the world i'm in and by just putting on a song and having no idea what they're talking about in the song and 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 have no idea the narrative of the song and forget myself and i allow that same power to film to let me completely forget who i am just from the quote-unquote vibes of the experience not necessarily or style or whatever it is of the experience as opposed to just um, having to wait for it to have a, not to say that my favorite films don't have a story. I do love, I'm not saying uh, I don't like story, but I, I, I'm, I love stories in films. I'm just saying I definitely crossed those thresholds into forgetting my life and being overwhelmed by things Mm. that might just be considered spectacle that might just be considered uh, criticism even, um, in film. So story isn't, uh, you know, some, somebody cutting themselves open and uh, torturing themselves for the purpose of creation. Like that's a metaphor. That's a metaphor extended into a narrative and and the conflict is the pain. Uh, and uh, again, like it's a very specific idea of what story is. And I do think like, whether you regard it as story or not, cinematic is about immersion. And it's using the tools of film uh, to get the audience to cross into that threshold of immersion where you're no longer looking at the screen and the images, you're feeling the feelings uh, as if you were part of what the images are conveying. And then you attribute whatever meaning you can from that. The only thing I would um, I for me, he wasn't on that story. Like uh, Spider-Verse, for example, I would consider a very cinematic experience. I am very aware that it is a comic book recreation the the dots on the on the what is that dot uh art 
the printing style. Half yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just half yeah, or the like yeah. ink smear recreations, or even just how it changes style from one second to the other. It is constantly keeping me aware. I think that things that that Martin Scorsese does constantly keeps you aware. I think that um, a lot of um, there's a lot of movies where I am aware and I'm, it's like a, it's, it's this weird, it creates a really fun experience in me where yes, I'm aware of, I can see the strings, I can see the brush strokes, but I, I'm also pulled into the, in, into it in and of itself. Even the brush strokes are helping pull me into it. I, even though I'm aware of them. Um, and there's a vulnerability. But then something like the begotten, it's one image. Like the Begotten was the example because there it's one image. It's the exact opposite. I don't know the strings. I can't see it. I can't even make out half the image. I saw it on a VHS tape. So that even added to the experience. It was um, it created a tone and a mood with whether the story was intended. Mm-hmm. I didn't get that story. I'm just saying it was just an, an experience mm-hmm. of seeing it. And that was still a cinematic experience yeah. without any story. I don't agree that there's no story there that is watching somebody go through pain and suffering, watching somebody like the, the subtext is the objective is they want to create, what are they going to suffer for it? Right. So it's what I imprint on it is that experience. That's the reaction to the painting, a camera trucking down the street in San Francisco with other cars passing it, that the idea is the camera is the point of view and it has an objective. It has a momentum and that pattern suggests an objective. And when you have that Mm -hmm. objective, a car crossing in front of you, coming to a stop, a horse passing by and you have to veer out of the way, that is a story. Those are conflicts. And even even if it's not embodied by, you know, a person spouting a soliloquy, it's still engaging objectives and obstacles. I guess under that that, that statement, though, then, like, I have to know, like, what isn't story then? Like, what is a sequence that you can either come up with or think of that is like, that was not story, so that's not cinematic? So, like I said, when it comes to, like, especially when it comes to, as soon as you frame something, you're telling a story. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, as soon as you, um, as soon as you, especially with film, as soon as you enter in the, the temporal dimension... Yeah, the t- as soon as you go into time, you are creating, playing a game with expectation, anticipation. You're asking questions, and as soon as you're engaging that, oh, did we oh, just lose your mesh? Oh, I'm, you, I'm here. Hey, Am I here? Sorry. Yeah, I'm. My yeah, we can. We can have, I just wanted to understand like what what, have, have, what is have it you heard this, of, if if story is a, an important proponent right. to what is cinema? My question, like, so, what isn't story? So basically. Yeah. Story is a function. So whatever, uh, whatever there is some sort of objective involved and there's a presentation of conflict that, uh, that is invoking the function of the story and cinematic is the right. medium you use for it. Uh, we really yeah. do need okay. to wrap this up, but this was a great conversation. I really appreciate you guys. Uh, can I, can, let me add one thing. There's a guy yeah. called Bruce Bailey. Okay. Uh, you've probably heard of him and he basically did this and I have it. It's an experimental film and it's basically Tracking shot across a white picket fence up into the sky. That is it with a jazz score. It's what one of the things that inspired the opening of Blue Velvet for David Lynch. Mm-hmm. And there is people will say there's a narrative. 
I don't know if there's a narrative other than whatever the white picket fence means to you, the movement of that white picket fence and the jazz score. So we could say there's a story. We could say that there's not a story, that it's a moment and not a story, but it's still cinematic. Cool. And I'll give you the final word on that. Awesome. All right, let's wrap this <laughs> it's up. It's an experience. <laughs> this was such a great discussion. Thank you so much for indulging and like, uh, talking uh talking in depth i again i still feel like we're just barely scratching the surface and i have lots more i'd love to probe with you so uh this is what we want to do we were are we were shooting to try and get this down to just about an hour and we still even barely got our pants off to an hour in. so um but yeah so in the future we're going to be doing more episodes like this where uh one of us will come up with a theory and uh, the, the three of us will discuss it. Um, usually it'll be in the form of just kind of probing, exploring, challenging. These guys, Ramesh and Adam, are two of the most brilliant minds I know. And uh, so it means a lot that you guys will, will join me for this. So thanks for, thanks for being here. Is there anything you guys want to uh, promote or share or have the audience uh, for, to engage you? Oh, I'm good. Here, you go. I don't have anything. Uh, yeah, I, well, I'm, well, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I wanted to say, uh, that, well, I might be doing, um, my first Super Bowl commercial, so I'm happy about that. And, um, we'll see, it could still fall apart, but, That's awesome. um, um, but the other thing I wanted to a shout out to, uh, my good friend, Chris Gore, a film threat. Yeah. He's the one that uh, provided me with the microphone and, and actually a, a camera that I'm still getting to work. But, um, and also I pitched this idea to him and he was like, you, this is a long time coming. You need to get on the podcast. Yeah. You have great ideas. So anyway, just want to shout out to him for being uh, uh, supportive and, and helpful as well. And you guys as well. So thank you yeah, for having right. me on here. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So uh, also be sure to go to cinematicore.com uh, where you can sign up for all of these podcasts. You'll get updates, diagrams, whatever kind of swag that we're including. And be sure to check out Story by Numbers. Um, that's, that's my book that's on story structure. It's on dramatic structure specifically. Uh, it's available uh, on Amazon on um, uh, ebook, uh, hardcover, paperback, and then we're going to be coming out with audiobook pretty soon. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that's it. Thanks so much for watching, everybody. Have a great week. You've got a story inside you, a screenplay no one has ever thought of, a novel you've been rolling around inside your coconut for years. Maybe you wrote a few pages and stalled out. Maybe you even wrote a whole draft but don't feel confident it's any good. Or maybe you've been writing draft after draft after draft and slamming into writer's blocks or dead ends or wandering into the weeds. Maybe you just have a few scenes centered around some dope high concept, but you don't know how to develop a character, much less construct a plot that would generate a character arc. Maybe all you have is some simmering spark of an idea. Just a simple desire to write a story. This book is for you. Story by Numbers is a step-by-step -step process. It gives you the tools to construct a plot that fleshes out your story with characters so real, so compelling, so multi-dimensional, you begin to wonder if you're possessed. Story by Numbers is composed of three parts. Part 1 gives you an overview of the 4-act structure, 24 plot points, 8 sequences. Part 2 is a 35-question examination of your story that will guide you through developing and outlining your novel or screenplay into the 4-act template. Part 3, well, that's just next-level dope shit.
This isn't just another book on theory. Story by Numbers is a diagnostic toolkit for developing and fine-tuning your story. You'll also want to pick up the Story by Numbers workbook. For each story you're writing, you'll need a journal to organize your ideas. The Story by Numbers workbook is a companion notebook that walks you through the process as you outline your story and guide you through each phase of development. From constructing your protagonist's internal drive to plotting conflicts that expose character to composing scenes that drive compelling stories. By the time you've completed your story by number workbook, you'll be ready to finish your manuscript. Whenever you ask a writer what it takes to write a good story, they usually say there are no rules. If you want to know what they really think, ask them about a novel or movie they hate. Immediately, they'll unload a litany of do's and don'ts so specific, so precise, you'd think they're citing commandments. We all know following a formula is what turns stories into zombified, hacky imitations of better stories. You don't want a formula. You want a process. A method composed of practical principles that breathe life into your concept. You don't want some bullshit magical key. You just want to know what works and what doesn't. Does your story resonate or not? Everyone knows there are no rules for writing a great story. Now that we've gotten that out of the way... Here are the rules. Story by numbers. Write more, better, faster, doper.